Good morning, everyone. It is Monday, October 26, 2015. My name is Luke Thomas. This is the Monday Morning Analyst. As you know, this podcast has three parts. Opening statement, we look at the bulk of some of the technical action from over the weekend, and then we have a brief and short look ahead. Okay, so on today's podcast, very simple, UFC Dublin, UFC Fight Night 76, UFC Fight Night Houlihan versus Smolka, all the same event, really just one event from Dublin, Ireland. We'll take a look at that. There wasn't a lot of good action on there in terms of the the breadth of the card, but there was some great in-depth action on three fights. We're going to take a look at the main event, Luis Smolka versus Patty Houlihan. We'll take a look at Neil Siri versus John Dillis Reyes. And then, of course, you got to take a look at Tom Breeze, absolutely starching Cajal Pendred. So we'll take a look at those and see if we have some fun little things we can point out. That'll be in the bulk of the second part. And, uh, okay, with that said, let's go. We try to do this podcast in 30 minutes or less. Part one, opening statement, five minutes or less. We're on the clock now. So, the thing that I wanted to talk about was, number one, I want to encourage you, if you haven't already seen it, I did a technique talk over the weekend on the guillotine choke, how it kind of had a uh, early great start in MMA, kind of fell off for a few years, and has not come roaring back, but has been a much more effective weapon of late. But that's not what I want to talk about for this podcast. For this one, look, I, there needs to be something that was mentioned, and it kind of was brought up to me on my Facebook page. Some folks were saying, you know, Pendry got beat so bad and looked so bad that certainly anyone like CM Punk... Uh, the professional wrestler Phil Brooks could, you know, maybe even beat him. Maybe that's the fight to make uh, now. And to me, that's just totally insane. Look, I'm not saying that some of the hate that Pendra deserves isn't, or I, I should say, some of the hate he receives isn't deserved, right? He's out there on Twitter taunting people. And you listen, if you get out there on social media and you make these big, bold claims and they blow up in your face, you got to just eat it. That's just that's just the way it goes, right? So on that level, I, you know, I think some of the things that people say to him are pretty abhorrent, but... You know, you're out there poking the bear. That's kind of what happens. I, I, I don't care so much about that. And frankly, you know, I feel like criticism of your ability to fight or not is totally up, you know, uh, fair game, right? So you make a lot of mistakes. You should be able to have that pointed out. This is the ultimate fighting championship. You want to compete at this level, you have to have your the things you do well pointed out and the things you do poorly uh, uh, pointed out as well. You, you're just not free from rebuke or opprobrium or even like fair criticism. So in that sense, like this is not about defending Cajal Pendred in that way. But the argument that because Tom Breeze beat him so soundly that this matchup between Pendred and Punk makes sense is a completely ludicrous idea. It's totally it's not it's not just ludicrous, it's actually so ludicrous it's unethical. Look, you're talking about someone at Cajal Pendred who is admittedly at the very low end but at the end of the world-class top organization pool. Now, maybe there's some guys in some other organizations who could beat him, but it's you know few and far between in number, and he basically, you know, he's got some wins over some pretty tough guys, albeit controversial. It's not like the ones he lost, he got blown out, except for this one. He got blown out in this one, obviously. We all know. It's not like other guys he fought, like, totally just ran over him. Okay? So I admit he's at the very, very low end of it, but you're talking about the, the, the highest level of the UFC. Okay? Compared to somebody who has zero experience, nothing, not in martial arts as a kid and then picked it up later in life, not a kid guy who wrestled in any kind of ability, nothing, zero, zilch, who is also, by the way, I think either 40 or close to 40, broken down after you know years of very, very grueling professional wrestling. The idea that that guy can beat Pendred because Pendred lost to a guy who looked extraordinarily good is laughably stupid. And I hate to be so bold about it, but it's just it needs to be said. 
If you watched that fight and you thought, well, maybe the CM Punk guy, this is my call to you. My call to you is, I don't want you to stop watching UFC or Bellator or anything like that. But I need you to complement it with some other things. I need you to go down to your local gym and watch a smoker. I need you to go to your local uh, amateur show. I need you to go to your semi-regional, local, you know, low to mid-level pro show. I need you to watch Legacy Fights and RFA. You need to see what MMA looks like at the various levels. Because once you realize that guys who train, or women who train for several years, can still look like what amateurs look like, or what low-level pros look like, you begin to realize the gradations there, what they signify, and how hard it is to get through them. Cajal Pendred, I don't know what kind of future he's got in the UFC. He's got some serious issues to work out. We're going to talk about his fight in this podcast. But he would wash CM Punk fast. It would be fast. Two completely different levels of the game. One at the very lowest of the low end. And another uh, who has you know benefited, I think, partly from his European... Um, um, identity and his Irish nationality, but nevertheless has beaten some guys, um, or at least, you know, hung in there with some very good guys that deserves to have a little bit of credit. Again, I don't know what kind of future he's got in the UFC. He got, he got, he got crushed on Saturday, but the idea that that fight with, with Brooks or Punk or whoever would be competitive is a joke. It is a joke. That is a totally ridiculous, ludicrous idea. You need to go and see what amateur MMA looks like. You need to go and see what low-level pros look like. Guys who've been training for years. When I make the point that you could take a dart, and this is nothing against Brooks or Punk whatever, personally, but it's just not possible to start that late in life with that little background, with all those miles built up on your body, and think you can compete at a high level. It is an absurd, an absurd thing. Y'all been watching way too much. Here comes the boom. It does not work like that. And even that character, and here comes the boom, used to wrestle. So, let's... You, you can make all kinds of criticisms of Kahal Pendred that he, you know, has got a big mouth and he paid for it. That he really, you know, there's some questions about how long he's going to be at this level. Okay, fine. No doubt about it. But what you can't do is just uh, say, well, this guy with virtually nothing in his back pocket is, you know, reasonably competitive, um... With somebody who has earned his way from nothing through international circuits all the way to the Ultimate Fighting Championship with a winning record in that organization. Again, controversially, but nevertheless, something is there. Not, not Just not going to hear it. Okay, that's part one. Alright, here we go, part two. Alright, part two. Let's break down some of the technical action. Now, I'm going to try and reserve about 25 minutes for this. I really want to keep these podcasts short because they take a while to put together, believe it or not. Um, and there's an issue there about you know getting things out in a timely manner. So, 25 minutes on the clock. Here we go. All right. One event to talk about, UFC Fight Night 76 slash Willahan versus Smolka slash UFC Dublin. Um, this took place, if I am not mistaken, at the 3 Arena. In Dublin, Ireland, if you're in the United States or Canada or whatever the case may be, you, it aired on Fight Pass. Not sure what the situation was um, overseas, but that was the case for us here. The entire card was a Fight Pass card. Not been many 
full Fight Pass cards this year, but nevertheless, this was one. The event was headlined by Luis Smolka taking on Patty Houlihan. Of course, we all know what happened. Uh, Miocic and Rothwell's fight got scrapped on this. Miocic wound up getting a fight with um, Arlovsky. Rothwell still without an opponent. Then Duffy fell out against Poirier, so... A lot of unfortunate things that happened here. Not going to get into that. Let's just talk about some of the things we saw um, in the cage. A lot of regional level guys. So I'm going to skip over a fair amount of these in terms of giving any kind of analysis. But one fight that I'm not going to do that for is the main event, which was absolutely positively sensational. This event was so this this fight was so crazy. I needed a cigarette when it was over. All right. So Patty Houlihan loses to Luis Smolka in a very competitive fight for the, the you know the majority of the fight that you know. During its duration, it wasn't like one guy was getting blown out until kind of the very end. Um, Luis Smolko defeating Houlihan by a rear naked choke at 4.09 of the second round. But, you know, we'll get to this in just a second. But Houlihan, you know, did a great job, I think, for a large part of this. Okay, so there's so much that happens here. I'm going to do my best to kind of walk through it in the way that I can. My general impression of this is that Smolka's takedown defense is, is unusual. He will try and stop it, but he does not put a ton of effort into it. What he does is he tries to stop it, tries to get around it, but number one, has a series of escapes and counters once the fight goes to the ground, and then more than that, will we'll fight the takedown off a little bit, but then if you're going to get it, we'll give it to you, but we'll give it to you with certain conditions. He'll leave an arm in somewhere, for example, so that when the fight hits the ground, he can immediately counter. That's something that, that Luis Smoko does not get enough credit for. And honestly, after watching this fight, I was like, Luis Smoka, I'm not saying he's the best fighter in the world or he has all the best escapes, but he has the most complete arsenal of counters and escapes in the grappling realm of anyone I've ever seen. The other thing to notice here about what Smoko did that was really, really good was when he was able to stop the takedown or you know offer some kind of counter, on the clinch breaks, he would light Houlihan up. He did a lot of damage there, snuck it in late in the first round, and kind of began to close the show in the second round with that. They would break, and it would be Smolka who would initiate, and then pile on the additional strikes when they broke. That was something that Houlihan didn't do. They would break, and he would reset. They would break, and Smolka would attack, and that kind of made a big difference in not just closing the show, but in then subsequent, before the fight was closed, Subsequent grappling interactions became a little bit more forced because Houlihan was taking some damage. That was sort of my two couple takeaways there. All right, so the fight starts out. This was kind of interesting. Pat, uh, Houlihan shoots for a double, can't get it, tries for a single, can't get it because Smolka gets the leg on the outside, right? I mean, if you have a single leg, what do you have to do? You got to get their leg in between yours, you got to grab real high, you got to squeeze, pinch your knees together, and then you're going to run that pipe, right? Or you can do different things like a treetop. But he looked like he was running to run the pipe there. I think one hand on the hip, one hand underneath the leg, pinching the knees together. Smolka didn't allow it. Smolka got the leg on the outside of the leg, you know, so you can't turn anymore. So what does Houlihan do? He kind of drops his own body. Smolka, not to the ground, but he kind of just loosens the position. Like, I, I, like I'm, oh, I'm surrendering this, still keeping a body lock. Smolka drops his leg, thinking this is over. Houlihan kind of gets behind him and then trips him over to the, like, like, like runs him in a direction um, for the takedown, if I believe. And then when he does that, he's got, he's trying to run the pipe, trying to run the pipe, trying to run the pipe, can't, Smolka's got the leg on the outside sort of baits like I'm letting go here, and then on the opposite side, let me make sure I can see myself, on the opposite side, pinches that elbow. Pinches that elbow and then rotates into it. So you're off-balancing a guy in an area he has no way to block or stick. Kind of just, you see him lock that elbow to that side. That was really not, you know, and understand, 
Smoka's arm is underneath here. So he's holding Smoka's arm to his own body to prevent that. That was a really nice little uh, adjustment that he made. I kind of I kind of like that. So you see Smoka land on his shoulders. Anytime you see Smoka on his shoulders, man, look out because he's not going to be there for very long. This guy knows how to forward roll, knows how to granby roll. Does a lot off of his back. Great at shrimping. This was this was the part that I loved the most. So you see, if I'm Smoka, Holahan is here. Head here, body here, everything is here. What you see Smolka do is he gets to the side, because he's now in side control, uh, underneath in side control. He tries to, like, shrimp his left knee inside. Shrimp his left knee, shrimp his left knee. Can't quite get it, but what he does get is just enough opportunity to drive this arm across the belly underneath of Hulahan. Why does that matter? Because if you have this, we've seen it before, you can put your ankles to the floor, you can drive, and you can use this arm to bump them off, corkscrew in, and then face them. It's, a, it's an escape from side control. So that's what he does. Gets the arm in, tries to bump. But Houlihan reads it. Houlihan has this arm wrapped. Houlihan's on top, uses his right arm to grab, uh, yeah, uses his right to grab the right of Smolka. Bang, holds it. So Smolka's got his arm wrapped here. But Smoka says, you know what? I can't get away. I'm going to turn into you. So remember how Hulahan's here? Smoka tries to buck. Can't get it because Hulahan has the arm. Smoka rotates into him. So now Hulahan is on this side and then locks up a Dars. <laughs> right? That is amazing. Tries to shrimp in, tries to shrimp in. Can't get it. Uses the arm to, to get to... Because he, he still created a little bit of space. Got the arm in, bucked him off, switched sides... Goes for the darts. Now, he can't quite get it because in a darts, like if you have a darts on top, one of the things we talked about before is you, you go underneath the arm, behind the neck, you grab. But their arm is here, and you're putting weight down on it. He couldn't do that because the arm was on the other side. So he had it locked up, but there was no pressure when, on one side of the arm to the neck. There was only pressure around the side here he was grabbing. Houlihan's arm was, like, stuck in here. So it didn't work, but it was a fun little, like, you know, if not a counter, you know, gets a guy thinking because you didn't. You look, even if you're not going to get choked there, you got to respect the position. You got to get out of it. It may change someone's reaction or slow them down or you know something. You don't want to hold things too long, but you definitely want to keep guys on their toes. And I feel like Smoke is just really, really good at that. Um, let's see what else happens in the round. Okay, so so interestingly, he lets go of the. Dars, but Hulahan still has the arm. That arm, if you can step over the head, you can go backwards for a Kimura. You can do all kinds of things. So what does Hulahan try to do? Step over the head. But when he does that, Smolka, who's loose and bendy, just corkscrews underneath, gets to his base. So he's like standing, like here's the rear end behind. If you're Smolka, here's the rear end of Hulahan behind you. Stands, Smolka basically just limp arms out of it. And they, they separate and stand. So when he so when Hulahan goes to step over, that was all the space that Smoko needed to corkscrew underneath and then get up. That was kind of nice as well. Um, so Hulahan, as as Smoka stands, tries to lock on a guillotine, switches to a front headlock because he realizes he can't quite get it, and does a snap down where he goes to his own knees and brings Smoka with him. Smoka does the perfect, and I mean perfect, headlock escape. If someone's got a front headlock on you, so they got one elbow, like they got their hands gripped here, or they got some kind of grip here, depending on what they're doing, this is how you get out of that. And, and, and it's, hard, it's, it's harder than it looks, but Smoka makes it look perfect. If this is the side of the elbow, this, this elbow is here, right? So this elbow's out. What you do if you get whatever side that is on, if someone's got it trapped, I'm going to reach over with my other side, 
and I'm going to grab the tricep behind the, 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 clo the, the outside elbow, right? And you're going to bring it across. At the same time, you step out on that same side. Step out and up. Leg comes up. You step out. And then you can use the other hand to just basically you can throw them by. And you can use this hand to come around and take the back. Um, I'll try and post a video um, if I can find one that, that will. I'm sure there's one on the internet. But that's how you do it. So if they're here in front of you, I'm going to take it. I'm going to step up. I'm going to throw them by, and then this hand's going to come across the small of their back. Now, I'm hip to hip with them. We're both facing the same direction. Grab the tricep, pull it across. As I, I've already stepped up, I've got stepped up. I'm going to pull it across, and then this hand's going to come over the back as I kind of, kind of throw them by me. Um, he, does, he does it perfectly. Let's not talk about, like, Luis Smoker's reactions are just insane. Okay? Uh, there's a moment where... Um, Smoker tries to have, get a throw. He can't quite get it, so you see him try to walk into it. Like he hits the throw because, you know, Hulahan goes down, but it, it didn't quite establish the position on the ground. So you see him walk his rear end backwards into Hulahan to try and flatten him out. Doesn't quite work, you know. So Smoker um, stands. Hulahan tries to go for it. It's not, it wasn't a De La Hiva because the leg goes in. It goes in front of the near side leg that he has, but he basically like sort of intertwines his legs around Smolka's, okay, but he's get, it's, it's, it's similar to De La Hiva, a far side De La Hiva, and then he's going around one leg to trap the other, except he just goes in front to, to then go behind, but okay. Um, then tries to lock up an ankle lock, Smolka spins, faces him, um, and then what was interesting was, uh, right, so Smolka gets on top. Right, so he spins together. The ankle lock was never there. To, to, to really have a to ankle lock, man, you got to be tight and compressed on him and in the Ashigarami space. And and he wasn't like he was just he had plenty of room to move and he didn't control any of other Smoka's legs with his with his with his own legs, which you kind of need to like you have to stop them from being able to turn. And he, he didn't, so he was able to turn, gets on top. But credit to Hulahan, he doesn't stop. What he does is he is on this like modified leg drag position, but he finds a way to get his knee inside. Puts the top side foot on the hip, grabs the ankle, and then does like a, some people call it a tomahawk sweep. I've heard it called a broom sweep. You grab one ankle, you push on the hip with your top side foot, bottom side foot at the same time you're pushing, knocks the base out from the other leg. You're pushing on one side of the hip, you're putting on the other side of the leg while you grab the same side of the leg you're pushing on. So you're, you're pushing, pulling with the hand, kicking out with the leg, whoop, he comes over. Hulahan comes on top. So this is still this is still like two minutes into the fight, right? This is a crazy, crazy fight. Um, again, I call it getting broom swept. I don't know what other people call it. Uh, let's see. Uh, Smoker tries his own straight ankle lock and can't get it. So Hulahan comes on top. Um, Smoker stands and gets single legged. Hulahan does like a modified knee slice. It wasn't quite a knee slice because he didn't actually just glide across, but it's the same position. He just kind of hopped over. Um, Again, Smoker gets caught in side control, but what does he do? He has the arm here, shucks him forward, corkscrews in place to face him. So you see a lot of that. Um, when they come back up, after he corkscrews out, what happens? Head kick, one, two from Smoker. Nice. This is what I'm talking about. Clinch break, hand resets. Clinch break, Smoker, head kick, bang, bang. Caught him with all three. Um, let's see. So the, the, there was a couple more things at the end here, but I want to point out something that he does. They have another few more scrambles, and at the very end, Smoker does something awesome. 
He throws a left elbow, catches Houlihan clean, standing. They back, uh, or he, he steps back, throws a left. Houlihan counters, throws his own left. Smolka ducks to the right, and then you should see it. Remember, remember how Hoist Gracie used to close the distance back in the day? He'd be out here, and he'd take these giant foot, and he would, like, like crow hop and take the foot into him so he could, like, you know, wrap guys up and close the distance all at one. He does a modified version of that, Smolka. Leans out, takes a giant step in, and then cracks Houlihan with another left. And then I think another right, by the way, a right hand. So he has this ability to play with distance depending on the strike that he's throwing, really catching Houlihan off guard. Just a lot of composure in that space, a lot of different opportunities in that space he takes advantage of, a lot of opportunities he creates, a really, really good job making sure that there was damage caused on the clinch breaks in open space. This, this, these pay dividends at the moment, and they pay dividends later. They, they take your opponent off balance. If, you know, if, you're, if you're trying to counter guys with grappling, you need to have your, your brain there. If you're taking a bunch of shots, you're going to make more desperate and easy choices. Um, you know, on the ground, you know, or standing, by the way, it'll just change your perspective of what you can and can't do and how you can time it. And Smoker did a lot of really good stuff there. So what I really liked was not just, not just the proactive sense of offense, but then the playing of the range and the offensive tools, throwing kicks and punches, then a later sequence, throwing elbows, ducking, going back to the elbows, and then also with the right hand. Just, just really, really smart stuff from Luis Smolka at the end of that round. So round two comes out. Smolka tries to counter a takedown with what appeared to be like a throw. Like he was trying to get an, like a, like a Sayanagi. Can't get it. Houlihan gets the back. Now when Houlihan gets the back, he doesn't have both hooks in at first. He only has one hook in. Okay, he's got the right side hook in. And what does he do? He, he then goes behind Houlihan, or behind Smolka, and grabs behind the left leg, the one he does not have the hook on, to like hold him in place. What does Smolka do? Smolka puts two hands behind the head of Houlihan and tries to shove him into the fence and over him as he kind of gets his uh, head out the side to create space and an angle to come out the top or whatever he wants to do. But as he does that, Houlihan lets go of the leg because his head is posting on the mat now and tries to go for the snake through the arm. Smolka says, oh, I gotta stop this, let's go of that, and basically has to roll to, to avoid it. As such, two hooks come in, Houlihan immediately goes with the body triangle. Want to make a note here about what Smolka does with that body triangle. He never stops fighting it. Never. Never. There was a moment where Hardy was like, Smolka's not doing a whole lot to fight this, and I think Hardy does a great job on commentary. Everyone's going to get things wrong, but... I would completely disagree with that. In fact, as soon as he says that, Smolka gets the reversal. But my point is, if you go back and you watch that, there is never a comfortable moment there for Houlihan. He's, what you see a lot of times happening is guys get the body triangle, and then it becomes like this, this hand-fighting battle up top. There's really never anyone counteracting what's going on with the triangle, not with Luis Smolka. He is down there making sure that that thing never stays on any longer than it has to. He is constantly fighting it. He's going to the same. He's going to the opposite side. So you know, a lot of times guys get the body triangle, and then they'll they'll, they'll they'll triangle their legs, and they'll use their other leg to hook behind the other person's leg, who they're body triangling. He never allows that. He constantly fights it. He eventually gets it to the same side, so that the, that Houlihan's crossed up feet are on the same side. Gets his shoulders to the mat, squeezes out, and then turns into him. Right? We've we've talked about it before. How do you get out of the back mount? You gotta get your shoulders to the mat. Now, what's interesting about that though is. You know, you can get mounted that way, or you can at least, you know, um, fight yourself in half guard. But you got to be very quick about that. He not only gets his shoulders to the mat, he gets his shoulders to the mat and gets his base under him first, so that he gets to come out on top. Man, that's very, very hard to do. A lot of guys are willing to get out of back control or body triangle to give up mount because they'll have good mount escapes. They can shrimp back to half guard. Hulahan or uh, Smolka doesn't do any of that. He gets out of back control and goes on top. Brilliant, man. Smolka's brilliant. 
Um, so what happens? Smoke escapes the body triangle. Hulahan frames up from Omoplata where he gets full guard and puts his hands behind. Smoke's arms are down. He puts his hands behind him and then behind his own knee. Right? So I mean, I can't do it, but you just, just gable grip behind your knee. I'm doing that now. Gable grip behind your knee. And then imagine that, that the other arm is around the back of your own leg. So, or actually at the front of your own leg. Um, I know it's kind of complicated to explain this space. I wish I had, I, I'm going to start including some graphics in these podcasts, but just understand, imagine you have full guard. Someone's hands are on the mat. You reach up over their shoulder, to, you know, their ear is here, and you grab behind your own leg, gable gripping. That's what he does, and that sets up the normal plotter because there's nothing really blocking it. But, of course, what does Smoke will do? He spins over the head of Hulahan to basically avoid it, so he's now on top, and either it's like sort of side or, or you know, Hulahan's trying to get to his hip the whole time, right? But, you know, it just doesn't work at all. So, eventually, uh, he's, uh, that's right. Hulahan tries to applaud us. Smolka spins. Hulahan goes to his base, stands. You see Smolka attempt a high elbow. I can't do it because I've had surgery on the shoulder, but a high elbow guillotine, right? Can't get the high elbow guillotine, but he's walking him back with it. And here's where, to me, the beginning of the end. The punches at the end of the first round kind of touched up Hulahan a little bit, but they didn't deter him. This is where he began to get a little bit of a beating. And there was other parts where he took a beating as well, but... Um, when he tries the high elbow guillotine, Hulahan is forced to go to his back. From there, there's a series of sequences where Smolka stays on top and does a, does a couple things really, really well. The one I want to point out is he does this two different occasions, but there was one. There is one where he wraps, he takes his left arm and he wraps it over the top of Hulahan's hips. Like he's just coming over the top like a belt. And the reason he does that is because you see Hulahan trying to reset the angle by Granby rolling. This stops it completely. When this stops it completely, it not only puts him oh, like a modified knee on belly, and certainly a side control, it just allowed him to tee off in closed space for a good three seconds, four seconds. Folks, if you're getting teed off on, that's a lot of time, man. And Smolka lit him up, lit him up bad there. He, this is where this is where Hulahan begins to take a bit of a beating. Um, it's a tough spot to be in because you know he's trying a lot of different things. It's not like Hulahan is like you know resting on his laurels, but. He just got positionally a little bit controlled there, and Smolka made him pay for it real, real bad. So, But it was covering that hip, stopping the Granby roll, not just stopping the Granby roll, but basically stopping the movement. He had to go back down to his back and then try and force something else to happen. All that time, he was just sitting there eating punches. That really changed the direction of that fight very, very quickly. Um, he, so that, Because then he has to go to deep half. Not only deep half, you see him to do this bit where he gets his hand underneath the shin, of Hula, of uh, Smoka. Smoka's on his knees. You can scoot underneath, and there's a lot of guys you can do different things where you can clasp the hands and you can roll them, but um, you can also just get caught there doing that where you just can't get anything going. What you're trying to do is you're trying to sometimes pin their own ankle to their rear end because if you can do that, you can then maneuver them around. You're controlling a portion of their base, but he never really gets to any point where he's doing any of that. He just has his hand stuck under there. Smoka makes him pay for that too. So he eventually recovers. He gets full guard, tries another omoplata. Smoka does the same thing, spins over the head. Man, this is amazing to me, right? So now he's in like like a, like a loose half guard. He is pounding on Hulahan. Moves to mount, pounding on Hulahan. Hulahan goes to his back, but he's still flat. Watch what, he, watch what old Smoka does here. Smoka was throwing left and right and left and right. Once he turns on his belly, Smoka throws maybe one left, then just throws rights. Posts on his left hand. The instant, and I mean the instant, Hulahan gets an elbow underneath him on the right side, 
to stand, to get to his knees, to do something. He was already punching there, Smolka was. He just stopped punching and slid it through. Once he slid it through, perfect finish. You saw him do it, hands behind the neck, right? Not any of this number, facing squeeze, and close the show right there. Brilliant, brilliant job from Luis Smolka. Uh, and, you know, a, a very credible job from Patty Houlihan, too. But it just seemed like smoke is hard to control, man. And he's got a relentless gas tank. And he's got a lot of escapes. He's got a lot of counters. He's just hard to control in control positions. You know, back having someone full back control with a triangle doesn't mean jack to him. Right, he's very, very, very slippery, man. Very, very hard to control. Super technical. Not the best takedown defense in the world, but really, he doesn't kind of need it. At least not for the guys he's fought so far. So we'll see how someone does. But to me, you got to hurt that guy. You got to get him tired. You got to make him make him bad choices. Because if you don't hurt him and you just want to grapple, you know, head to head with him, you know, I'm not saying it's Demi and Maya, but he doesn't need to be because he's got really, really, really strong MMA counter grappling. Really strong. And if you get on the bottom of a control space for him, where he's got you in leg drag, or he's on top and you're on your side, you are going to eat it, man. He was doing kicks to the body, which are legal. Folks are asking if those are legal. Yes, it is. Kicking the body of a downed opponent is absolutely legal. Kicking the head of a downed opponent is not. Kneeing the body of a downed opponent is also legal. Kneeing the head of a downed opponent is not. Brilliant, brilliant job by Luis Smoker. All right, just a couple more of these and we'll move along. Uh, Neil Siri. Oh, by the way, a couple more results here if I can. Norman Park defeated Reza Madadi. Uh, unanimous decision, 327 across the board. Sensational takedown defense from Norman Park. Reza Madadi really having no offensive complexion of any kind. Um, a fantastic fight, but I just don't have time to get to. Nicholas Dalby taking on Darren Till. It was a draw. I had it a draw. If you didn't see it, Darren Till looked phenomenal the first two rounds. Stopping takedowns. Um, striking really well from the outside. Great, great, great use of body kicks and jabs. Um, and a phenomenal attitude. I really like Darren Till's game, but he gassed a little bit in that third round. He also said he had a shoulder injury on his left side. And you know, Nicholas Dalby's one of these guys who like really when they call, when you call someone a grinder, they often make that to be some kind of an approach. And it is an approach, but it's more than that. It's also just a certain comfort in the grind of positions, right? In other words, like I, you know, just finding an ease and comfort in the clinch, even if you're not even winning in that space, you just like your chances there to find something later on. Um, and that's the kind of game that Nicholas Dalby has, and it really paid off. Just the ability to wear on a guy um, and then really pile it on. Had him in mount. I thought the fight was going to be stopped for a while. Credit to, to uh, Darren Till uh, to find that last bit of energy stands, and then they call it a draw. I had it a draw as well. Fantastic fight um, there. So then Neil Siri takes on John De Los Reyes, winning by guillotine choke at 4-12 of the second round. Um, great, great use of the guillotine by Neil Siri throughout this fight. Um, the first takedown came from uh, actually John, John De Los Reyes. Had him in a clinch, and you see him spin Neil Siri once clockwise, spin Neil Series twice clockwise, striking him on both sides the whole time. Tries for a third time, and what happens? Siri just goes along with it and steps. The instant that he steps, you see De Los Reyes try and hook the leg and then go for a, a, a trip takedown, which works. Um, so Siri, to his credit, on the ground. Turns for an arm bar. De Los Reyes backs out. As he backs out, Siri rolls over backwards and stands, right? So if you can't win on the takedown defense, maybe I can get you to posture up. Vinny Megalesh talked about this before with his sequence of beating Matt Hamill. Guy stands. So what happens? He rolls, uh, and that's all the space he needed. De Los Reyes avoiding the arm bar 
created the space he needed to go and do something else. So great job by him there. Uh, Siri avoids a double um, uh, double leg takedown. You see him. Let's see, drives the underhook. Oh, this was kind of cool. Uh, he avoids getting taken down against the fence, right? And then he gets a left underhook. And what's amazing to me is he gets his hands clasped together. But he doesn't just do that. He kind of turns and drives his left arm across the back of De Los Reyes. And as he does that, he kind of sits his hips out at the same time, which kind of turns De Los Reyes on an axis and makes him sit to the ground. That was really, really awesome. Little Nice little detail there about, you know, I'm not just going to hold this position or stop you. I'm going to step out as I drive my arm across your back, and that's going to off-balance you because he was probably pulling. I couldn't quite see it with the camera angle. I'm imagining he's pulling on the other side as well. Let me finish this up as fast as I can. Uh, Siri gets a trip takedown but gets reversed, remember, across the fence. You see him try and go one way, and Dalos Reyes fires his hips back, I'm guessing because he may have lost position on the foot. To get that, you have to have your foot stopped on the outside throughout the throughout almost the entirety of the motion. They have to be going back down before you can really sort of remove that. I don't think he had that all the way through, so Dallas Reyes was able to power back into it. Great balance by Dallas Reyes to, uh, to have that happen. Uh, and a nice little thing that Neil Siri does with his butterfly hook, he gets taken down himself from this position. He gets the butterfly. He uses his right butterfly against the right leg, not the left leg, but the right leg of De Los Reyes. I'm not sure what he did with his left leg. It was hard to tell from the camera angle. I'd actually I'll admit, I've never seen this before. Puts his hand on, puts his left hand on the mat, yeah? Puts his right hand on the neck of De Los Reyes. So he's driving his head down, kicking him over, and that's, remember we talked about the um, uh, technical stand-up, right? It's similar to a technical stand-up, uh, just threatening the sweep. So there's a bit of a sweep there. I think, did he get the sweep? No, he posts left hand, but he uses it to get to stand back out because he threatened with the sweep. So that was interesting. Step, I'm going to hook you, use my left leg to get behind me. My left hand's already posting, and now I'm going to stand. That was really awesome. Uh, then real quickly, Siri lands it on the round two. Um, he lands an outside kick. Reyes catches it. Siri tries to limp leg out of it immediately, but then... Uh, you see, you know, Dale's Reyes try and stuff it between his legs and lift. He gets almost guillotined by it, um, but uh, couldn't quite couldn't quite finish it. And you, you can see when they go to the ground, and Dale's Reyes is sort of sitting on his on his heels. You can see it's not quite there, and he's hand fighting, and he escapes it pretty easily. Um, eventually, though, there's a moment there where. Um, Siri gets stacked. He tries to roll backwards, but he doesn't have anything to beat the go behind. So, like, if you don't, if you want, if you're on your knees and you don't want someone to go behind you, you, you got to get an arm out. Siri never gets an arm out. So Dillos Reyes goes behind him and then uh, gets the back. Siri tries for a two-on-one escape. You know, two hands on one, put the opposite side of you, shoulders to the mat, and then you roll out. Couldn't quite get it. Um, so he drives Reyes into the fence. And that's what I'm talking about. You saw, you, you saw, Smoka try it. Couldn't quite get it. The uh, one hand on the back of the head, one hand on the lat, driving him into the fence, and then putting your head out, I think it was to the other, excuse me, the other side. So you, you, if you saw Dale's Reyes, he was kind of posted on a head. You want to get him on a hip, and you want to drive at an angle. That forces him to come underneath, which he does very, very nicely. Uh, and then they eventually uh, stand. Reyes actually lands a nice 2-1 uh, uh, down the middle. Um, backs up, lands a right, and then ducks a right and attempts a double, but I don't think he finishes it. Um, but here's how it winds up going. He, he gets that double on, um, Siri. Siri, this time, if you look how far, look how far his weight is over Dallas Reyes' back. 
He's not just kind of around the neck, man. His hip is kind of on the shoulder. And you see Dales Reyes pop it up to get some big slam. But when he does that, like, if, you, if you're trying to straighten your posture and you're looking up, you're just exposing everything. So Siri gets it. He doesn't finish it in a way that looked to be all that bad, but it must have been, man, because Dales Reyes didn't take long to tap. Typically with that arm and guillotine, you're going to have a, you're going to, you're going to, same side you have the choke on, so you head on the right. This is the arm inside. You're going to want to lean to that side and like push the head in. Uh, and then the right side of the ankle needs to be crossed on top, which he did that part correctly. I mean, who am I here to criticize him? It worked. I'm just saying, typically what you're, what you're looking for there anyway is just that you're trying to, you're trying to turn and drive at the same time. That was, that's what creates the pressure on that arm and guillotine. But it looked like he was like leaning back, which often does not work. But, hey, it worked this time. Um, okay, and then lastly, uh, there's just a couple more results here, which we'll go over very quickly. Uh, C.V. Ray defeated Michael Laput, unanimous decision, 29-28, then two 30-27s. Ashling Daly defeated Eric Almeida in a very uh, uninteresting fight, 30-27, 29-28, and 29-27. Uh, Christoph Yotko defeated Scott uh, Askham, split decision. This was a close competitive fight, uh, 29-28, 28-29, then 29-28, so two 29-28s for Christoph uh, Yotko. Uh, we'll get to Tom Breeze in just a second. Darren Elkins defeated Robert Whiteford. Just completely out-wrestled him for three rounds, 30-27. Uh, and then Gareth McClellan versus Bubba Bush. Two guys who, you know, not a lot to say. I mean, they're not bad guys, I'm sure, but I'm not sure that they're ready to compete at this level. Uh, but then Tom Breeze. Tom Breeze defeats Cahal Pendred at 4-37 of the first round. What a performance by this kid out of TriStar. Whoa. I was blown away. He can fight. This is amazing to me. So look, Breeze comes out southpaw. Cajal Pendred, orthodox. Okay, so automatically, what are you looking for? Who get, who wins the battle of the T? Who gets their foot on the outside? And at first, it wasn't really either guy, but eventually, Breeze gets it. Breeze also has like a totally no telegraph to his punches at all. If they're going to come from the left, you don't know. If they're going to come from the right, you don't know. Really, really, really slick uh, in that sense. So here's a couple things. That, well, there's one major thing that Pendred did, which we'll talk about here. Pendred, from the same side, tries the overhand with no setup. And every time he did that, and he did it a number of times. He paid for it. Tries it once immediately when the fight begins. He, I mean, he didn't do every combination that way. Sometimes he would like paw with a jab, or he would jab and then throw a big overhand. It didn't pay for it so much in that case. But if he just started here and then threw with the overhand first, Breeze would step back, not just back, but back at an angle, and then pop him with the left man every time. Stunned him the first time. You saw him wobble. That looked like the one that broke his nose. But he keeps going because Pendred's a tough guy. Uh, there was another time he tried it just with the left, just with the overhand right. You see Breeze step back, try to counter it, but Pendred does a good job actually this time getting his head off to the right. I want to give Pendred some credit. He does get his head off to the right and then he misses. Um, so there's one thing that 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 Breeze does for a different effect. He moves Pendred around with his footwork. So if Pendred is circling one way, he doesn't want him to. What you'll see Breeze do is he'll almost step to the back of Pendred if he wants Pendred to go that way, or he'll step almost in front of Pendred. A little bit, or at least where his hips are facing, if he wants Pendred to go the other way. He does that. He's going back and forth. He's confusing him. He's throwing him a bunch of looks. He steps almost in front of Pendred. Pendred, like clockwork, moves out, and he tags him with an inside right as he moves. Nice job by Tom Breeze, man. Sick striking, right? Um, there was a moment where uh, Pendred does manage to get double underhooks and push Breeze against the fence. Breeze just gets the underhook and wrenches him free, separates um, and then hits him with a liver kick. Doesn't fold him or anything, but, you know, lets him know what time it is. Um, Pendred does land one really good punch in this round. So you see him paw with his jab, Pendred. 
You see um, back up. You see Breeze kind of jab, but he doesn't really commit to it. Pendred times his own one bang over the top, and the right hits Breeze hard, snaps his head back. So, again, I'm going to give Pendred, doesn't get a lot of credit here, but he should get credit where, where he earned it, and he earned, landed a nice punch there. Um, okay, here again. Pendred leaps in with the overhand right. Just no setup at all, okay? Breeze angles out, and not only cracks him with the left, so he steps out, bang, punches him. Here's what Breeze does again. Oh, my God. Breeze steps out, cracks him at an angle, steps with his right foot, switches this, grabs, so, he's, so he shuffles, shuffles, he shifts back to avoid, grabs the head, shifts again in the pocket, grabs behind the head, throws a rear uppercut, right hand, and as Pendred's backing out, Bang, pops him with the left. So he not only readjusted the pocket space the first time, then after it lands, readjusts it again and lands a, a number of quick uh, punches all in succession. And this is where his face begins to change a little bit because he's obviously getting lit up here a little too much. Now, this was amazing to me. So then finally, how's the, the, the show close? Uh, Breeze is moving this guy around. He lands, um, I think, a left side. To the liver, yeah, left a front kick to the liver. You see Pendred's hands go down a little bit, and you see his face ever so slightly wince, but his hands are here. It's not like he took it and just kept moving. He goes, ugh, and then he gets backed up. This is where, if you go back, it's hard to tell with the footwork, but you can kind of tell based on where it is. You see Breeze, you go like this, and if you watch, and Dan Hardy was absolutely correct here, you didn't know which side of the punches were going to come from. Is it left side or is it right side? Is it going to be jab or is it going to be cross? Breeze, seeing that this guy is clearly hurt and his defense is down, bangs him out with a left. And this is where Call is like, like really in trouble now. One more, drops it, closes the show, gets on top, ground and pound, and finishes. Tom Breeze is excellent, man. Really, really, really good boxing. Loved watching this guy. Yeah, I mean, some things to work on. It's a little prospect, no doubt about it. But just his ability to step back in the pocket, counter, and then switch again in the pocket, stepping out at an angle from his right, holding down... Uppercut, right hand, left. Oh, man. Oh, man. Tom Breeze is something special. Keep an eye out for that kid. All right. That's part two. Let's do part three here very quickly. And last, but certainly not least, part three. Um, nothing coming up on Halloween weekend of any kind of major significance. There might be a few regional shows. If there are, we'll talk about them on the podcast. But the next two major shows are going to be the UFC Fight Night, um, Hendo versus Belfour, which is crazy. And then, of course, the day before that, I believe, on the 6th, should be Bellator 145, which is a number of good fights. The the rubber match between um, um, uh, uh, Patricio Pitbull and Strauss. Um, Will Brooks is back in action. Uh, for what it's worth, Bobby Lashley is back in action against James Thompson. Um, and there's a, and uh, I guess Brooks is defending his uh, title against Marcin Held. So there's definitely some good fights in that card. I think Michael Chandler's in that card as well. So... Um, Lot, lots to get to on that. So that'll be the 6th and the 7th of November. But if it's just Halloween, I think it's just going to be some regional shows. And if it is Halloween, uh, don't drink and drive and be safe. Okay, you can get at me on Twitter at Thomas. You can email me at Luke.Thomas at SBNation.com. Thank you so much for watching. This has been the Monday Morning Analyst. Fighter of the card, by the way. Should have said it before. You can give it to Luis Smolka. I'm going to give it to Tom Breeze. He's my fighter of the card. Great, great job by him. I don't have anything on the gate, but it should be available on various websites. Um, oh, and attendance. I should have done this before, but, you know, I come moderately prepared for these. The attendance was... Ah, they don't have it. All right, well, whatever the case, you can find it later. Until next time, thank you so much for watching. I appreciate it. Enjoy the fights.